Before we get into today's show, I just want to remind everyone that the 1099 podcast is on all major podcast platforms. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast. I think Pocket Cast is a thing. Overcast might be a thing too. Whatever podcast app you use regularly, uh, you can very likely find the 1099 there. So if you could just drop a quick review for the show, giving it five stars, saying it's amazing, saying why you like it. If you don't like it, please don't review it. You can just tweet me and say why you dislike it. We can talk. We can hash it out over Twitter and not completely flood my review section with very poor reviews. Uh, we are going to be talking to abby russell today who's the brand new hire at giant bomb uh we go through the entire hiring process we go through what she thinks she brings to giant bomb um her previous experience inspirations everything like that this almost completes the giant bomb set we're we're getting so close to talking to every single person who's ever been associated with giant bomb um just a quick look at the future schedule see a quick look you see what i did there uh we have brad shoemaker on in the very near future this one you'll love dave lang Speaking of Giant Bomb family, Dave Lang will be joining the podcast uh, as well as Greg Kasavin. Uh, as soon as Pyre comes out, we will talk to him about the development process, what went into it, uh, go in-depth about the game, similar to the Dead Cells episode. Um, and for the rest of the schedule, you can follow me at Josiah Renauden or you can follow at the 1099 podcast. I will tweet out different guests and different topics and different things there and as always if you want me to talk to someone specific please let me know on twitter uh include them in the tweet and i will get the ball rolling from there so many of these podcasts from come from your requests on twitter and i super appreciate it so i don't want to delay anymore without further ado here is the wonderful abby russell Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the 1099 for the week of July 24th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the new associate producer for GiantBomb.com and the most millennial millennial in the games industry, Abby Russell. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm good. Wow, what an intro. Thank you. I, you see, I work on those. I, I rehearse them in the mirror. <laughs> I, I, I try to find a Wikipedia page. If you don't have one, I make you one. Okay, um, great. Thank you. And then I just read from that. Actually, I keep calling you millennial. I, I, we're probably the same age. Like, I really shouldn't be doing that. Like, I'm like 25, so we're probably not that far apart. You might no, yeah, millennial. I'm a year younger than you. I'm 24. Okay, okay, okay. Close enough. So you're still mm-hmm. more millennial than me, and I feel very good about that. Okay, good. Uh, Perfect. I also <laughs> Although feel if Dan's a millennial, then, I mean, who's really more millennial? You know what uh, I mean? I, I mean, you're the most. I okay, think you I'll still take it. win. Thank you. I, you could have the, the crown or the trophy for that. Um, <laughs> I also feel honored to have the star from my first E3 join wow. my Rinky Dink podcast. Well, a co-star. Ben is I, also a star. Look, let's be honest. Like... He, you're the star of that show like he's more like a side character that like if by season three he's gone people be like ah, i kind of liked him but eh. nah i totally disagree he's the best i love ben <laughs> see now i feel bad now if i put that on here <laughs> i already shit talked him immediately uh it, it's funny because you've managed to be a giant bomb for only a couple months now and somehow it feels like you've been there for maybe years like it, wow, it was a pretty for, from my perspective it seemed like an easy fit right away but for you how crazy has it been 
not just getting this job, but getting quickly thrown into videos, podcasts, streams, and even these massive E3 night shows. I, I think you know to a certain extent what you're getting into with Giant Bomb, where right. even if you're a producer, you're not going to stay behind the scenes at all point. I mean, ask Drew, ask Vinny. Right. You, you get involved with everything, but what's it been like, you know, just kind of getting involved with all this content? Um, I mean, it's definitely been uh, surreal in some ways, um, but it's also, you know, it's been good. It's been an easy transition. Thankfully, I work with a lot of great people, you know, all the East Coast guys are great. All the West Coast guys are great. But Vinny is like especially good at like, I'm going to, you know, gently ease you into the community. I'm going to gently ease you into content and just make me feel comfortable um, kind of being a part of everything. So that's been really great. And I really appreciate that. But it definitely was a thing when I first started working where I wasn't sure exactly how much I was going to be on screen. I knew there would be some of it. And I don't know if they necessarily knew how much either. <laughs> I think it's sort of one of those things where it's sort of see where we all fit together um but yeah it's it's been good i don't know I've, i'm very pleased and I'm, yeah. I'm very thankful to be a part of it yeah it seems like any games media job now you have to kind of have a kind of a renaissance person we need to know a little mm -hmm. bit of everything even if you're at GameSpot, which i was freelancing there for a while i just had a main writing role but if i would have gone actual full-time staff you're, you're on videos you're on podcasts you're on everything um what was your actual interview process like because i had jeff on here not that long ago and i remember him talking about like there's like these weird programs that cbs is working on there's like <laughs> vr stuff like it sounded like this weird carnival that there at least maybe didn't happen for your interviews but they're looking at for the future <laughs> i mean was it mostly you interacting with Vinny, alex and the rest of the east office i doubt they would let dan interview anyway that sounds dangerous uh, but did you all or did you also get a chance to talk to jeff and brad and some people out west um, so I only talked to the East Coast dudes when I was okay. interviewing. I did not talk to Jeff or any of the West Coast guys at all during the process. Um, I guess if you don't count my recruiter, who I think was on the West Coast. But um, I er, I applied for it online. And then about a week later, I got an email saying they wanted a phone interview. And that was all with a recruiter. So mm -hmm. that was a very standard interview as far as those go. Very sort of standard interview questions. Um, and then probably like another week or two later, they wanted to have... Well, she was like, okay, great. We're going to have an interview with the head of production, Vinny. I was like, okay, great. Uh, couldn't wait. I was excited for it. And then the day before, they were like, uh, actually, it's going to be a panel interview with all of Giant Bomb East. So it was Vinny, Dan, oh. and Alex. So I was just like, okay, really throwing me in there. Yeah. Uh, but that went well. It was like I came into the studio. Um, he sort of showed me the layout, showed me the lay of the land. We just talked for about an hour. Uh, and then it took a long time after that. It was like, I don't know, probably another two or three weeks before I heard back, which I was like, this is probably a good sign because if they didn't like me, I would probably know immediately. <laughs> um, and then I was brought in for what I was told was a third interview, but was really a job offer. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Interview processes are so weird. I uh, was it a CBS a CBSI person who was the initial recruiter? Yes, totally. That's that's yeah. What I have so not. She's been she was super nice. It was nice working with her, but I have not interacted with her since then. I I think I might have two years ago I was um up for a GameSpot job and I think it was the exact same recruiter. I remember like oh, wow. she was she was super nice, but it was also weird talking to someone who obviously was a little confused about the job because we're talking right. about like. <laughs> talking about you know video games on a podcast for hours on end and i'm like this has to be really weird for her being like what did i get myself into like why why can't i do other normal cvs stuff <laughs> uh was it kind of crazy actually were you nervous at all when you actually met jeff at e3 because like you said you interacted with the east office the entire time and suddenly you're meeting big boss himself at this um, big gaming event no i think i was less nervous because i i mean he's definitely like my boss, I guess, but I don't really see him as my boss in the same way I see Vinny as my boss. 
just because I don't interact with Jeff really on a day to day, at least not about work stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more just like, okay, maybe we'll all be in like this group message, like chit chatting about whatever. But he's not the person I check in with. He's not the person assigning me roles or jobs. So I really, it was like weird that I didn't feel nervous around Jeff. I was just like, okay, here's, you know, a coworker. But I didn't really think of him as a boss, I guess. Did you know a lot about Vinny, Dan, and Alex beforehand? Like, were you someone who watched a lot of Giant Bomb content, saw this job, and said like, oh, holy shit, I gotta go for this? <laughs> or was was this all kind of new for you? I was familiar with the site. You know, I definitely heard of it. I think I listened to the Bombcast a few times, like, a while ago. Mm. Um, but I was not someone who, you know, was super familiar with the ins and outs of the site. Um, it was actually interesting because during my interview process, I did a ton of research and I did a ton of, like, preparation for it because I really wanted the job. <laughs> um, but I remember, like, in a couple weeks waiting for my third interview being like, you know, if I don't get this job, I think I'll subscribe to Giant Bomb. <laughs> this sounds really cool. That's the real long con is they did all these interviews <laughs> and they can hope by the end they have a whole bunch of new subscribers. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for you, because you don't have you didn't have this wide breadth of knowledge about Giant Bomb, mm-hmm. uh, what's been the biggest surprise so far? Like, it, since you've gotten in, since you've done all this work, I mean, from your end, have you had a lot of, oh, holy shit moments or has most of it gone smoothly? Um... I don't know if I've had a lot of like, oh, holy shit moments, but it's definitely been, hmm, I'm, th- I'm trying to think. I don't know. It's it's also hard for me to say because this is my first job outside of like college jobs. Oh, wow. um, I graduated school in January, so I had like a three or four month period of where I was like searching for jobs and applying for jobs. Um, so I don't really have a point of reference as far as like, is this a surprising thing because I'm working for Giant <laughs> Bomb or just because I'm working in an office full time for the first time, you know? God, it's like eight layers of weirdness. <laughs> because, yeah, I when I first got my first job, I moved out to Jacksonville for one. I had the exact same panel interview experience that you did, where like you go from, oh, you're gonna have you're gonna talk to one person on this team, and they'll you know kind of see where you're at, end up being like four people on a Skype call, and I was like, this is entirely too much. And then yeah, just <laughs> getting used to the the regular work hours, the the going into an office all the time. Do you get to work from home at all? Do you guys like I think you stay in on Mondays? Is that what I was told? Um before? we do. I think we're moving into Tuesdays on the East Coast. But yeah, we have a prep day, which is where we'll um you know play games we're gonna do for quick looks or just check out stuff just because you have to like get through hours and hours of games or we'll like I know uh Dan wrote his quick or his like arms review during a prep day. I edited the um the my first or the like millennial shirt store video on a prep day <laughs> so it's like a day you kind video. of i forget what it was called it was like abby and ben's guide to dank ass shirts i think <laughs> perfect title thank you very much yeah it's, it's great for seo that's <laughs> the really important stuff uh yes i mean man you're dealing with like suddenly thinking about health insurance 401ks and crazy stuff all yeah. at once while getting into the industry that's like god you're yeah exhausted right now I mean, it's good. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not too exhausted, thankfully. I really like being busy. I really like working. Like, even yeah. with a full-time job, I wish I was doing more outside of work. Like, I always mm. feel like, oh, why am I not editing this thing? Or, like, why am I not doing this other thing? Or, like, doing more comedy shows or whatever. Like, I always feel like I should be doing more. But I don't know. Def- definitely working in the games industry was, I think, a big surprise for me. Because at leaving school, I have a film degree. And I've always loved games. I've always loved comedy. So seeing this job posting, I was like, wow, this feels like a really awesome mix of all these three things that I love and want to do every day. So I was like, I don't know, finding myself in the games industry is like a dream job that I never expected I would get. 
So that wasn't a goal for you? Because I think so many people who do get into an IGN or a GameSpot or Mm -hmm. whatever type of job, it's on the top of their list. They're in high school trying to, what's what's my game plan for getting paid to write about games or being a part of games? For you, is more of just, you know, I enjoy theater, I enjoy film, I enjoy production, and also games are cool. And then suddenly you can mash all this up at once? Yeah, totally. I mean, leaving school, I was primarily looking for jobs as as like an assistant editor in commercial editing houses. Mm -hmm. Um, I had hoped, I was like, sort of aiming for a trajectory where I could hopefully work on feature films uh, as an editor. I really love editing and I hope to do more editing with Giant Bomb and outside of it as well. But I, you know, I would always see people like the folks at Giant Bomb and like other folks who are like streaming these games and kind of producing all this games content. And I was like, wow, that must be such a rad job to have. But like, it doesn't, it didn't feel like something that was sort of in my grasp or even something I... I could sort of work towards in a way that wasn't just like me dicking around on YouTube and like hoping someone discovered me or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was when would that ever go through your mind about the idea of maybe I should start a YouTube channel, maybe I should start a Twitch? Because like you said, with you have the skills in terms of improv, in terms of mm-hmm. being able to, you know, talk to people and kind of think on your feet. So was that maybe let's say this job didn't work out, would you have maybe considered starting a YouTube channel? Um, I mean, I had tried to start a YouTube channel a couple times in college, mm. um, just like playing games. I was just sort of, I watched so much like games content online. I was like, why not me? So I did it for <laughs> a little while and I wish I was like more dedicated to it. I do wish I, I don't know. I, I, it is hard. It's hard because the only way to start doing that is to have a full-time job doing something else and then do it in your free time. Yep. Like that's really the only way you that I have seen at least for people on YouTube. And then eventually you'll get like a following and then you'll start like a Patreon or whatever. And then hopefully you'll be able to sustain yourself long-term, but it's really hard to do that. It's really, it's, really hard. It's way harder than it looks. Cause like from a yeah. distance, when you watch it, a let's play or whatever with like a million subscribers, you're like, okay, so all I gotta do is start playing games, be myself. And eventually I'll get an audience. Right. And then like you said, the Patreon will come from there, but just the consistency it takes uh, and some, also the luck to yeah, build absolutely. an audience is like way harder than everyone tells you it is. I know a lot of people who do start things who have really smart ideas, but they don't see that instant return where yeah, totally. your your first 20 videos are getting literally 50 to 100 views. And you're like, I don't want to waste my time with this. <laughs> and so much of it is, you know, sometimes you strike gold right away and suddenly you have, you know, a million subscribers within six months. Other times... Uh, I mean, when I started this podcast, I wasn't seeing very many numbers, and I was like, if I just keep doing this, hopefully, eventually, someone's going to be like, well, this isn't shit, so I yeah, guess I'll totally. download it. Yeah, and that's and so I much think of that's, it. I think that is a lot of it. It's just sort of the consistency of like uploading every day or like on a regular schedule at the yes. very least, because like that's how people get started. Is like, yes, you kind of have to bring your own personality and hopefully be bringing something new to it. But if you're not bringing something new with consistent content, then like people aren't going to tune in. You know? Yeah. Totally. And like you said, with a full-time job, you can't quit your job and start a YouTube channel and think it's going to work because you're going to be broke. Like right. it's, that, that's, that's the shitty part about all of it because you, know, you wish that people who are smart and creative can immediately get paid for the cool stuff they do. But so often it's like you have to have a full-time gig or something to sustain you while you're trying to do these other things. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, Jake Baldino, who 
quit his you know store manager job like a year ago because he finally one of his channels finally took off and now it's it's game ranks and it has like three and a half million subscribers and like that's super awesome but it's also so rare and it's yeah uh, i talk to a lot of people i'm guessing you're gonna start getting a lot of these emails soon too where people are like how do i do what you do how do i get paid to talk about games and like there's no perfect formula but so much of it is like consistency and being in the right place at the right time yeah and like working hard and just sort of like trying to be true to your own voice it sounds really trite but it really is a lot of like don't try to emulate someone else's style just sort of try to bring yourself to it because that's going to be more interesting than like watching you know a faux this other youtuber you know what i mean totally well that's that's the issue so many people run into where they, yeah. they start a youtube channel with the idea of okay i'm gonna do some let's place the top 10 list and you gotta like take a step back and realize like all right let's say no one knows who i am right now like why would right. they look at my top 10 list and watch my let's plays when there's already you know, 300 different people who have a major audience who are doing the exact same thing as me. I don't think you need to like suddenly be like, all right, I'm going to ride a unicycle while playing games. And that's my YouTube thing. Like that is my, my gimmick and everyone's going to love it. I don't think you have to be crazy with it, right. but you have to be different enough that I, I couldn't, if I did another podcast, that's just like, all right, here's the news. If I did the exact same format as the giant beast, beast cast, but didn't have all of you guys on it, no one's going to listen. Like yeah. you have to take a step back and understand that before you actually commit to it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the Patreon thing you mentioned is interesting too, because it's something I talk to a lot of people about. It's uh, my I had, I had Drew Scanlon on not too long ago, and he was a case where I just kind of wanted to know what do you, how how anxiety filled are you when you're flipping that that switch that that Patreon switch because he's had the the giant bomb backing for so long has an audience, but you still have no idea how people are going to respond to something like that. Where I know a lot of people who I would love to see make thousands of dollars a month to make art or do some sort of thing but you need this this specific type of audience before you can ever do anything like that like you need you can only really flip that crowdfunding switch once and you better be sure that you have an audience around you like you know danny o'dwyer like drew scanlon before you do something like that um yeah crowdfunding is still something that i'm like god that's has to be terrifying seeing like <laughs> i think i would watch the patrons coming in and out all the time like oh no one left i must have done something terrible right. i'm gonna delete my twitter account and never talk to anyone <laughs> again uh, yeah and it's also you know that thing of like when the people are paying you for something how much of their input are you gonna take okay. you know because people are opinionated on the internet which is both good and bad you know feedback is good i love getting feedback and like it's important to sort of do better work is to get that feedback but you know you have to take certain things with a grain of salt and when you're taking money from people there's going to be more of an expectation of i want you to serve me and what i want you know yeah and then you have to decide do i want to give them what they say they want or give them what i actually think they want after supporting me like should true do a trip based off you know where the you should go here you should go here or should you when drew's going to the ukraine it's like no i Trust me, if you're supporting me because you like me, you got to trust me going to these certain places. But I, I do think I would be balancing that in my head between should I do all these types of videos or this type of content they want or should I just hope that I have a good grasp of why people have supported me up until this point? Yeah, totally. And I think that's why someone like Drew is in a better position for that because he already sort of has his own voice in it you know, through working through Giant Bomb and all of this other stuff, he like, he already sort of knows what he wants to do, which Mm -hmm. I think is very helpful versus someone who's like, I just want to make videos and have an audience, (laughs) like putting up a Patreon. You don't necessarily have that kind of, I don't know. You don't have the layout of what, of sort of how you want to 
you know, frame everything. Yeah, totally. And when you eventually start your, um, my second E3 Patreon, <laughs> I think at that point, everyone will know exactly what they want, but don't listen to them. You do your, you do you, yes. it'll more go ben. perfectly. Uh, no Ben, that's my, old no, I, more I, ben. I, no, I'm saying no Ben. I'm saying get rid of him. I'm no, now anti-Ben. Ben. the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what past video work have you actually done? I'm guessing when you when you come to Giant Bomb and apply for that, you have a reel together, at least some sort of things you've done from college or otherwise, mm-hmm. or maybe here's what I've done in production in the past. Was it mostly college projects? Or like you said, you like to stay busy. I like, I'm the same yes. way where while I'm at school, I was reviewing for GameSpot or while I'm doing my mm-hmm. full-time job now, I'm doing this podcast. Uh, yeah. Did you have a lot of stuff in between that you were able to show the guys at Giant Bomb? Um, I did. I didn't actually show a lot of it, though. I like <laughs> talked about it, which I think is adequate. But yeah. while I was in school, I was primarily focused. I mean, I have just sort of a general film degree, but I was mostly focused on um, documentary production um, and sort of like what it takes to kind of make a documentary. But um, outside of school, I did a lot of freelance work, a lot of internships and a lot of kind of free work uh, working in like comedy sketch videos, editing comedy videos. Um, which is good. I like editing comedy videos. It's fun. Um, but that's sort of where the bulk of my work is in outside of school was in editing sketches. I edited for UCB comedy for a little while. I edited for, you know, the magnet video lab, which is this sort of program where people can come and make videos and video sketches. Um, and I edited a lot of just sort of like indie sketches and my friends sketches and stuff like that. So it was very helpful. I've also done like a ton of school, you know, mm-hmm. school films, student films, and those are varying levels of very bad too surprisingly great so that's you know i think there's like a lot of value in editing um bad work (laughs) like as an editor you kind of get these dailies and sometimes they're out of focus or poorly shot or blown out or just you know the acting and the writing is maybe not as good as it should be but when you're editing and you kind of craft this picture you know you it's really satisfying to get basically bad dailies and then turn them into something that's at the very least passable or hopefully good Uh, i really like doing that um i also coming in with a lot of comedy experience um i you know it's not really something i can put in a real i mean i guess i could but it's you know that was also something that was helpful it's like well i have a ton of stage experience i have a ton of on-camera experience i know how to work with a crowd and kind of i have stage presence basically talking to jeff he might have actually been secretly talking about you and not saying your name out loud I, he was talking about how when he was doing these interviews and Vinny was doing these interviews you know you're not just talking to people who are you know I've done all this freelance work with GameSpot in the past or I've done this this and this he was like sometimes we're interviewing people who we know can improv and who can almost mm-hmm. be like they're in a theater I mean it's I'm assuming if you if you look back at your interview you have to think that was one of the main reasons one of the kind of the main sticking points they see they saw about you because uh, I have that theater maybe not to your degree but I've had that theater experience in the past I've had the improv experience and just on this podcast um where I'm suddenly skyping with Michael Pactor and I've never said a word to him in my entire life and suddenly I'm like all right I've now I'm going to spend 90 minutes with Michael Pactor and I need to improv and figure out right. like which which direction he's going how long does it usually take when he pauses after he says something and stuff like that and uh you you kind of have to adapt and your job is even I'm not going to say higher stress but a higher degree <laughs> of that where you're streaming out to thousands of people and suddenly mm-hmm. Vinny's doing crazy voices and it, you have to be like all right well I'm gonna have to just go off of this and make this funny or make this entertaining right. and make this work uh do you think your improv experience was kind of maybe one of the most helpful things for you so far I mean absolutely like I don't know in my phone interview and like I don't really talk about 
outside of comedy with folks, I don't really talk about comedy that much. Like, I don't know. I love improv, but sometimes I'm like, ugh, I'm an improviser. You know what I mean? So I don't... In the interview, though, I made a very clear point to talk about it because I knew it was a real asset for this job. Um, So definitely with the phone recruiter, I talked about it, and I was sure to bring it up with, you know, Vinny and all the guys. Um, But it has absolutely helped me a lot at this job. You know, like, I mean, I think improv helps me a lot and in a lot of other ways too just as far as like holding a conversation and kind of Mm. knowing how to talk to new people is hard and improv helps a lot with that sort of just like knowing how to have a conversation basically um but it's totally helpful when i'm like doing a podcast and he's like you know do this bit and i'm like okay sure (laughs) (laughs) you know just sort of like knowing how to roll with it and knowing kind of how to heighten a joke and when to stop heightening a joke because that can also be hard well, yeah, and also as someone who's been on stage, you you know in your head that you've looked dumb before. Like you've had yeah, those totally. moments where you've looked like an idiot, and you've very likely grown comfortable with it. I mean, everyone hates looking dumb, and everyone has a certain anxiety of right. someone that put on the spot, and it just the joke doesn't roll, or the the bit just completely collapses. <laughs> uh, and thankfully, just from talking to Vinny and knowing him, like he seems like someone who is like the best safety net ever when it comes to like catching people <laughs> if a joke does not exactly land perfectly, but. Yeah, it's yeah, a- absolutely. And like having improv experience, I know kind of how to um, recover after I bomb, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. And I also, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, this is for improv, but it's also I'm getting it with this job as well. But when I'm doing an improv show, sometimes you have a bad show, like you can't control it. It's just like you can't always help it. Sometimes it's just you bomb and you have a bad show. And when you're first starting out in improv, you have a lot of bad shows and you have a lot of hard audiences. You're doing like shows in the back of bars with people who like don't care to be watching you (laughs) so it's like you know you kind of get a thick skin about it I remember when I first started doing improv I would have a bad show and it would hang over me for like two weeks but then I would have a good show and that would stay with me for two weeks you know whereas now I have a bad show and it's like okay well that stinks but like whatever I forget about it the next day you know but it's also the same with a good show I'll have a great show and I'll be like that was really fun I enjoyed that show but then I'll forget about the next day (laughs) so it's sort of you know two-sided did you start doing like theater or anything in high school? Like, is that where this started? Um, no, not really. I no, I didn't do any theater in high school. <laughs> I uh, I danced growing up, so that I had a, some stage experience from that. I d- danced from mm, I was probably eight to fourteen or fifteen. Um, but I started doing improv after I. So I first started going to school at American University, which is in D.C. And I was there for a semester, but it was too expensive. So I dropped out and had sort of a quarter life crisis. (laughs) And I moved back to Boston with my old roommates. And I just went to a community college for a year um, to sort of get enough credits to transfer to a school in New York, basically. Um, But while I was doing that, I was like, maybe I want to be a comedy writer or maybe I want to get into comedy. And I just had always wanted to do improv. So literally the night before the first class started, I signed up for an improv class on a whim and it truly changed my life. I'm like so thankful for it in so many ways like moving to new york you know i hate moving i hate trying to like settle into a new community and like make new friends it's very hard but having improv i know like even if i don't right away i know eventually i'll find a theater and a community of like-minded people that i can hang out with which is very it's a very nice 
sense of security and it's it's nice <laughs> did you consider yourself introvert or extroverted before you started doing improv and i know like sometimes those binaries don't always work sometimes it's right. a little bit in between but i when i started doing theater i was aladdin in high school i was scrooge oh in high school yeah i saw the hat somewhere <laughs> i it i remember i was this uh little known josiah fact i was homeschooled until eighth grade oh wow. so as you'd imagine going to high school the first time i was the the nerdiest dude i was mm-hmm. the, this, this pudgy dude who didn't know how to talk to people <laughs> or teachers or anything and uh by ninth grade when i started trying theater for the first time it completely flipped the switch for me where like i'm on stage i'm like oh i can just look at all these people and it, i'm not stressed at all like it totally. kind of flipped a switch in my brain so for you was this something that flipped a switch or were you always kind of extroverted and you're like oh, i'm just gonna now use these skills to you know riff and do shit it, on these stages um, I would say I was in between, but maybe bordering more on introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in high school, especially I moved from Virginia to Boston, um, right before my sophomore year of high school. And that transition to high school was really hard for me. I really, instead of like making an effort to talk to more people, once I wasn't really making friends right away, I sort of kind of folded in on myself and talked to fewer people. Yep. Uh, so I really didn't have a lot of friends in high school until, you know, my senior year. And I made those friends really through work. Um, but I would say when I'm with my friends, I'm much more extroverted, but around newer people, I would, I'm, I lean more on the quieter side, but definitely doing improv. I, I, I've always felt pretty comfortable talking in front of a group and kind of public speaking type stuff. So improv felt very natural. Like it felt like a good fit, which is nice, especially considering I don't have a lot of other theater experience. Like I, I consider myself a comedian, but I don't consider myself an actor. Uh, which is pretty silly because I am an actor, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't really identify with actors in the same way that I identify with comedians. No, I totally get that. I, th- I think it's, it's similar groups, but then in, in very specific ways, they're different enough where it's like, I'm going to stick with this one side, not the other. Totally. Um, did you ever feel any anxiety, speaking of introverted versus extroverted, uh, about being accepted into the Giant Bomb community when you first got there? Like you said, you had some knowledge of Giant Bomb. I listened to some Bombcasts, but you weren't extremely like every single day watching videos and stuff like that. So <laughs> when you first came in, maybe you didn't know just how passionate this community can be. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Every time I ever post, a, a, I've just talked about this with Drew, every time I ever post any podcast with someone from Giant Bomb, they're the biggest ones by far. Like suddenly they're getting yeah. shared all over the forums and um the one i did with Vinny, i uh he said something that one person on neogaf thought it meant that Vinny was leaving and it it <laughs> just completely spun into like a 90 page discussion about is Vinny leaving is brad leaving who's leaving instead like, jesus christ uh, i mean a lot of the members a lot of the premium members have gotten used to change recently where mm-hmm. there's been austin there's been patrick there's been people kind of not coming in and out it's not a revolving door but there's been more changes than normal uh but it it has to be hard to avoid the comments for a certain extent for you. So did you worry that they might not immediately buy into the Abby Russell experience or, <laughs> and maybe more importantly, like now that you've been there for a bit, how cool has it been to see such a mass- massively positive response? Cause I've pretty much only seen positive responses. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I've seen both, but I would say it's overwhelmingly positive, which is pretty awesome. I think the thing I was most nervous about jumping in is not only am I coming into a new place with like a group of people who are very opinionated and passionate because they love what giant bomb does so much which is pretty great but it's also hard to like be a new person who's potentially going to mix up kind of the normal um hopefully in a good way but you know we'll see so that was definitely a little bit scary but i think what i was most nervous about before starting was being a woman in the industry as well you know i i know we talked about a lot in my interview actually my panel interview they talked a lot about online harassment and we're like i feel like like half the interview was them being like 
are are you going to be okay handling this? Well, yeah, first first woman a giant bomb. Like that yeah. was a yeah, different thing for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. And like thankfully for the most part everyone's been really kind, you know. I've seen some sort of gross stuff, but that's the internet. It's not really a surprise to me. Yeah. But I was most nervous about being a woman, I guess, um in it. And especially being the only woman. Um yeah. I also still feel kind of a sense of like I want to do right by other women who follow the website. You know, I want yeah. to be a good representative and it's hard sometimes because I also want to be true to myself and I don't want to seem like I'm being preachy or anything, but I also, you know, I want to give a woman's perspective on things of like, you know, this game is gross. This game does not treat women well. And like, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I've played it. I finished it. GTA five is cool. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't treat women well. And like, I want to be able to talk about that stuff, but it's hard when I read about, you know, women getting doxxed for much less uh, so that's really, it's scary sometimes, but I, so I don't want to, yeah, it is. And I don't want to, be a concern. you know, be intimidated into silence, certainly. And yeah. I also don't want that to be like my whole thing is I'm like, I'm the woman on the site. I want to bring my own thing outside of that, you know, and I hope that I have, but you know, yeah. it's definitely been interesting. And that's the thing. And like, just from my perspective, everything you've done so far seems genuine. And I think they do oh, think awesome. that's Thank important you. where like, it's shitty that you even have to deal with like reading mm-hmm. the comments suddenly seeing like oh god gross or like like you said yeah. because because there are fewer women in the industry more lately thank god but like you kind of feel like you're carrying a torch to a certain extent right where you you're right. on this platform with this site that's never had women on it and you're like all right do i have to you know shout it out in this certain way do i have to represent all these people and thankfully i, I do think you found the right balance where it's like let me be true to myself let me like call out shit that yeah. i think is bad let me you know talk the way i talk and just be me and uh, I just, yeah, hopefully there's no, th- th- thankfully this community from everything I've seen is accepting and understanding in a way. Of course you might get some assholes on Twitter mm-hmm. who just are trying to get angry at every little thing they see, but, um, that's, it's, it's shitty that I, I think it's, uh, awesome of the giant bombies people to have that part in the interview to kind of like let you know, like, Hey, this might be yeah, totally. difficult at times, but it, it's insane. That's even, that even has to be said, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, it's not a surprise. And like I for the most part, even reading like gross or bad, you know, comments, they don't bother me that much. There'll be a few here and there. I was like, well, that kind of hit a tender spot. But for the most part, you know, I feel like I have a pretty thick skin about that stuff. I, I also feel like a lot of the time, excuse me, a lot of the time when people are, um, you know, mean or very aggressive or very angry online, it's often less about something I have done and more about an issue they have in their own lives. And that's maybe a very condescending thing to say, but you know, I feel like some people see the internet as an outlet and I know people bully other people generally because they're being bullied themselves or they hate something about themselves, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Or they see something that, like you said, they hate something about themselves or they see something they're already angry at before they even know who you are. And suddenly they put all of that on you. Uh, And it's, it's entirely unfair and shitty, but Again, I, I at least am happy that you're at a site that it seems very good about stomping that shit out. And the community itself is kind of, they, they check themselves. Like, they, they see totally. those people and they say, like, no, like, this is not going to fly in this community. Yeah, which is great. It's really nice to see people kind of, you know, back me up, I guess. But, yeah. you know, it's also like, it's fine, whatever. It's the internet. But it definitely is one of those things. I feel very lucky to be working with a bunch of great men who mm. treat women well. You know, that's nice. And that's good and important and not every job has that which yeah. is insane but you know that's nice but it even still is one of those things where you know i for every video that i think i've been in someone has commented on my appearance which is fine 
you know, it's whatever. I'm not, it's, I'm used to it, I guess. But that's something that I can't always relate to, like, you know, everybody else that I work with. And it's, it's so weird. Like, it's something that I don't even think about. And, like, yeah, totally. and I'm guessing they don't either. Like, of course, everyone, when they're suddenly on a stream with, you know, high quality camera and video, they're right. probably thinking about that to a certain extent. But I doubt, you know, Brad has to sit there and think about, like, what do these people on Unprofessional Fridays yeah. say but about But Brad also has great hair. hair so he's I know. I'm fine. so, I'm unbelievably jealous of it. Every time I see it, I'm like, man, that's just. How how is he even doing that? That's probably I have him on uh, in like a week, and that's like might be the first thing I ask him about. <laughs> like just immediately be like, "Can we just talk about your hair? Like, it's, what do you it's do?" It's perfect. To it? I've seen it what in person, you... and it's very good. Did you touch it? Like, did no, he let you? No, I you... respected okay. his boundaries, but I I don't think I'd be able to. Even if you didn't know who I was, I don't think I'd be able to. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned kind of bringing your own style to Giant Bomb, uh, mm-hmm. bringing certain uh, aspects of yourself to it, and I, I think that's important because. The cool part about the scary part for the community very often is someone new is coming. They're going to change this thing that, you know, I visit every single day and expect a certain thing. It's this, it's sometimes the comfort food, the certain quick looks, the certain streams, you get used to it. Um, and, but like you look at Dan comes in, he does like demo derby. He talks about Taco Bell a lot. Uh, he, uh, it brings all these different kind of flares to Giant Bomb. Same with Jason with ranking of fighters. And yeah. when Austin was there, there was, there was a certain critical eye that, uh, he brought to it and talking about culture and different things that was really fascinating. So now that you're starting to settle in, um, do you have any specific types of content you want to bring to the Giant Bomb portfolio? Because I think a lot of it, is, of course, is your personality will change the tone of the podcast and the quick looks and different things like that. But is there something you have in mind in terms of, I would like to do this style of content that maybe you're going to start trying to incorporate in the coming weeks or months? Um, I have talked to Vinny about this a bit too, because I think he also wants to do this, but I would love to do more edited content. This is, um, yep. I love editing and it's hard because people, you know, from what I understand is when they have tried edited content, that's like, here, we're going to play this game for four hours and then cut it down into 45 minutes or whatever. People are like, you cut out all the good stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to like find that balance. And I think we got it with, um, the, um, the millennial store video, you know, which was like, it's, that needed to be edited. We had to edit that, but I would love to do more stuff like that and more behind the scenes stuff like that. I, I love editing. I love that kind of stuff, especially considering we're a personality driven website. I think we can, you know, it's still a games website, but we can show us doing stuff. That's not just sitting in front of a screen, you know? So I, I would love to do more just like edited stuff in general. Um, I also, I don't know. I love playing like simulator games, like Sims games and like builders, Oh, I just man. want to play more of those. I thought you meant but like, I, like, I can't like driving that. Sims I and like oh, flight no. Sims. I'm like, oh, you're Drew 2.0. I know. I, I, I know. I realize saying that people are going to be like, Drew. <laughs> but no, I don't I don't know how to do those. I feel like those games are so complicated. Like you have those truck Sims and it's like, oh, there are too God. many buttons. How do you just go? Like when Drew used to do the flight Sims and like do it in the full hard mode where it doesn't automatically start to play in for you. It's like a 15 minute experience to start yeah, this shit. Yeah, totally. Which... Yeah. My dad had a few flight Sims growing up. Um, cause he wanted to be a pilot. So I would play those and they were really hard. <laughs> I don't think I've <laughs> ever successfully landed in one of those. Oh no. I mean, I, I struggled to land in like regular games where yeah, it's like exactly. super, it's supposed to be super simple. And I'm like, oh, suddenly my wing is hitting this thing that I, there's a tree, there's a phone line. I don't even know anymore. Uh, yeah. And the edited stuff, uh, that was actually one of the main things I want to talk to you about because like, I think that's when you have that video production experience, I assume immediately you're like, I wanted like have kind of cool cuts and, and like tight shots and do things mm-hmm. like that and like add some flair to it add some uh more than just a stream and i don't mean to you know denigrate streams no, at all certainly i think not. that's what people love those shows yeah it's but a different skill set I think, yeah like you you look back at um the giant bomb used to do video reviews which a lot of people loved but mm-hmm. talking to Vinny, he was clear about it in the same way that you were where it's like those are cool 
Um, but those take an enormous amount of time and yeah, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of preparation. Yeah. And you know, we record stuff just about every day and that like our, you know, look at beast in the East. It's like a two or three hour thing. So it's like, that's two or three hours just of recording that the day is gone, let alone, you know, setting things up and then like rendering and like getting it ready for the site. Like it, that stuff takes a long time. So like editing takes even longer because you have two or three hours of filming and that's even a short video. Uh, and then that, you know, then you have to edit it, which takes a pretty long time. Yeah. And thankfully I think the one benefit the giant bomb does have is because you're subscriber supported. Of course, mm-hmm. you, you know, you support with traffic and CBS and all that stuff, but because you have this base of subscribers that help the website tick, um, I was talking to someone from Polygon. They used to do those really massive features that would take months to put together and they'd be very interesting and very well written. But you look at something like that and I'm like, I bet this this top 10 Pokemon Go people, like Pokemon Go, Pokemon to use at gyms got more traffic than this this feature that took three months, four months, five months. So totally. for, and like that, you start looking at return on investment in terms of ad revenue. You're like, it's just not worth it. Thankfully for you, it seems more like it's a time thing than an ad thing because you're already getting supported by this subscriber money and they totally. want this stuff. So like, do you have right now, like you, you said you talked to Vinny about it. Do you have an idea that you're, maybe I don't want you to spoil it if you can't talk <laughs> about it yet, but do you have like something in mind that's like, I would like to do this. This would be like my first video project if, you know, in a perfect world. Um, No, not necessarily. I just, I would love to have, you know, like I said, more behind the scenes stuff. I think mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool. But also just like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess not really. Uh, I'm yeah. still sort of, you know, finding where I, I like, you know, I'm only two months in. I don't want to like rock the boat and be like, I have all these great ideas. You know, I <laughs> want to bring my ideas in, but I also want to make sure I'm What if com- were quicker? Like, yes, how about exactly. we start trying that? <laughs> I want to make sure I'm competent and comfortable doing what I was hired to do before I start doing more, basically. I keep forgetting it's only been like two months again. It right. Feels like it's been there for like a year. I know. Like, I feel on. like a little silly talking about myself on the podcast. It's like I've been here for literally two months. <laughs> <laughs> that was that first giant bomb, uh, giant beast gas you did. Was were you in your head being like, I shouldn't talk too much because I'm brand new here, or were you trying to talk more because you're like, I need to establish a tone? Like, was it? kind of terrifying to be on that first podcast or you feel like you struck the right balance you know it was scary i mean i definitely didn't want to like impose or feel like i was kind of an interruption to what was already established Mm -hmm. um so there was definitely that aspect of like i don't want to rock the boat on this but i remember walking away and being like oh people are gonna think i don't know anything about games like that's (laughs) i still feel that way after pretty much every podcast but like because i you know i had just started the job I had been four months out of being pretty much unemployed. I was kind of working freelance as an editor and a photographer sometimes, but I wasn't making a ton of extra money. I still just had my college part-time job. So I, I didn't have a lot of money for games. And in school, I didn't have a lot of time for games. So I, I, the games and how I would play is I would wait for a game to be out, you know, four or five months. And then it's like, okay, it's on sale or it's I can get it used. And then I'm going to play this game. And I don't care that it's not new anymore because it's still new to me. But like that doesn't really fly when you're on a podcast yeah. like this. So I, you know, I felt like it seemed like I don't play anything, which was tough. And I feel like some people are still like, well, she doesn't really play that many games, which is like, yes, I do. <laughs> that also um, might go yeah. right back to that whole females in the industry where people see that yeah, and they totally. assume immediately like, oh, she's she's never played a game before. Yeah. And know. like, that's why I kind of wanted I wish I started. 
I don't know. I feel like I always want to sound more informed about games <laughs> just because I'm like, I want, that's something I, being a woman in the industry, I think it's very easy for people to be like, she's faking it. She's yeah. like, how does it feel? That, like I've seen comments that are like, how does it feel to be working at a video game job when you don't play video games? And it's like, that's insane. <laughs> like I do, like they wouldn't hire me. Or maybe they would. You know, I know that they were looking at people who didn't play games because it's not really a part of my job as a producer. But, like, to have a good feel and a fit here, I need to play games. And I love playing games, and I don't just do it for the job. But yeah. I don't know. I remember I mispronounced Kojima, and people are still, like, up my ass about that. Oh, that, <laughs> shit like that happens. People I are know. so weird. Yeah, because, like, I even when I was uh, freelancing at GameSpot and IGN, like you, I... I had some extra spending cash, but not so much that I can keep super up-to-date on all games. So you're starting to make references in certain reviews. People mm-hmm. are like, what do you mean that's new? Like, that was in this, this, and this. And you're like, dude, yeah. I didn't play 2008's Dynasty Warriors. Like, I, I, come on. Like, you have to – if you're expected to have an encyclopedic knowledge of this shit, then, like, the only people to be able to do it are maybe Jeff. Like, he might right. be the actual only person who could talk about video games with any authority. I think people do dwell too much on that where they're they're so worried about – Everyone who has any sort of, you know, voice on games needs to have played all Metal Gear games forward and back. So mm-hmm. yeah, you've actually had to have played five and then played all the way down to one um, in order to understand games. Right. I just don't think it's the case. I, I think there's value in someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in a certain genre playing a genre and talking about it yeah, in the same totally. way that I want to talk to someone who's played every single Dynasty Warriors game and be like, first off, like, I'm sorry. Second, what do you think about this new one? Like, I do think you need all these reviews for that. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't want to seem like I'm like really butthurt about people, you know, whatever on my first podcast. Like people were generally very, very kind about it, which is great. And I think it was fine. It was also one of those things where it's like, are people going to pick me apart in the way that I can pick me apart? And then it's like, no, people aren't thinking about me that much you know what i mean that would be even though it's my introduction they aren't they don't care that much well that would be the thing i think that would like make me the most nervous is not like because there's certain things people could pick you apart about that you don't mind that much Mm -hmm. other times it's the things that you know that you do uh not incorrectly but if you have certain peccadillos or certain yeah totally tendencies and suddenly someone like says that you're like oh no the thing i always thought that i was the only one who noticed they see it like now i'm just out in the open and suddenly you're trying to never i think i had a turn of phrase i used in almost every single review and someone finally on GameSpot comment pointed out i'm like i've been found out <laughs> like my secret identity has been blown i can't totally. say you know diametrically opposed anymore they, they, <laughs> they, they got me uh yeah i think yeah. that's what would freak me out the most yeah or even like i don't know i find i'm always surprised when people point stuff out about me that i didn't notice like i guess i go mm-hmm a lot which i really <laughs> didn't realize but now that's like a lot of comments have like mm-hmm <laughs> Which is like fine, whatever. But yeah, that it's is like such you, a low key thing to like. I know, and it's like, but now when I do it, I'm much more conscious of it, which is also weird. It sort of puts you in your head about kind of everything you do, uh, which I is like fine. But you should leverage that into a T-shirt that just, says, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you can, yeah, you could probably start. So that should be a giant bomb <laughs> store shirt. That would be great. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are weird, because I think a lot of this podcast has been about like <laughs> how weird it is to suddenly jump into this environment. That sure. is insane in a lot of ways. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off air, but is is it suddenly weird having like 20,000 Twitter followers and seeing all these people who maybe you looked up to previously, like the McElroy brothers mm-hmm. or uh, someone else, and suddenly you're getting RTs from them. You're getting like, right. you know, follows from people. You're like, wait, what is going on? Like it's uh, even like for me, when I first started talking to people on this podcast, like Adam Boys or Justin McElroy mm-hmm. or um, Shea Serrano or especially like Jeff Gersman. I'm like, this is weird. Like this is, this yeah, is still totally. strange to me that like 
Uh, I hope this never feels normal because then it'll mean that like I've lost some of the magic behind it. But like <laughs> it's still crazy to me. So I mean, at, at this stage, is it still bizarre and cool for you? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll address sort of like big Twitter stuff, and then I'll talk about more of like kind of industry names people. Mm. But I mean, I remember when I first got the job, and they were like, "Okay, we're gonna announce it on Monday." Like it's linked to your Twitter, just a heads up, whatever. Um, I remember being like, I bet I'll get like maybe 500 followers. No one knows who I am. It's like, I'm not even going to be working for another week. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even start working until a week after they announced it. And literally the first two minutes, um, of the announcement, I had like 500 new followers. <laughs> like I could not use my phone for the first like two hours until my friend was like, turn off your notifications. <laughs> like it was a little overwhelming at first. Definitely. Um, it was also a little strange because I, I hadn't started working yet and all my bosses were now following me, following me on Twitter. So I didn't want to like, I don't know, say something, yeah, say something really right. bad. Suddenly you're like, oh, these things yeah. that in a vacuum when you have like a thousand followers are fine to say are suddenly not great. Right. Or even just like, I'm going to make a joke, but like, I don't want that to be Vinny's first impression of me. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? What if it's a really good joke? I mean, I banked it for later. Believe me. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I love having a lot of followers on Twitter. I love Twitter <laughs> too much. Like, I really love Twitter. And I, you know, I really liked Twitter for a long time before I started working. Mm. So it's nice to have an audience and feedback. Um, I will say in some ways my Twitter doesn't necessarily, I don't I don't always feel like I have as much ownership over it as I did before I had this many followers just yeah. because I would like tweet about like feminist stuff that bothered me and then... I wouldn't even think about it because no one would care because it's I had 500 followers. But now if I, you know, I think I tweeted something about Wonder Woman just being like, "Ugh, Wonder Woman had like a shopping scene in it, which is like not a big deal. It like subverted yeah. the trope, whatever. But like people, I got a lot of like, actually, on, no, like Christ. in replies. I'm like, okay, guys, I, like it just bothered just me. Intense like, Twitter mansplaining. Yes. Or like, you know, pretty much everything I tweet now, which is totally fine. I get why they do it. It's fun. But pretty much everything I tweet now, people will relate it back to my job. They yeah. will tag my bosses in. <laughs> They'll be like, "What well, Dan would do this too or whatever. I don't know. Oh, but it's geez. like fine. But yeah. it's like, you know, I, I, it doesn't, it feels almost like an extension of work in some ways. And I mm -hmm. love my Twitter still. I tweet every day or at least I try to. Um, but it's definitely like sort of changed how I tweet. And I'm also much less likely, like, I don't know. I would tweet like, masturbation jokes or something or like dating jokes and i mm. i will not do that now because i know that i could joke about that but people will try to joke about it or people will take it seriously and it'll just like spin in a way that it's like it's, yeah, it's not, worth not worth the worth joke it. yeah yeah i even yeah. like my twitter isn't tied my full-time job is outside of games but i still have yeah. moments where i'm like i probably shouldn't say fuck on my twitter account right. like i really should avoid that it's hard not to sometimes you, you yeah. gotta just drop it it works for the joke where it works for whatever i'm trying to yes. say but there's definitely moments of like i'm a strong believer in like my twitter does not represent either of my two jobs uh but sometimes like i feel weird saying like fuck on things like that. yeah and i'm very lucky in this job and that i can like goof on my bosses on twitter and i'm not going to get fired for it yeah. you know like i think i tweeted something during e3 which was like ben and jason's glasses oh yeah <laughs> and it's just like i can do that silly stuff i can goof around on twitter with my coworkers and not risk being fired which is a very nice luxury mm -hmm. that not everyone has so i i do really appreciate that especially as like a comedian approaching twitter like i love being able to just like goof in any way i want that's very nice yeah. um yeah, but as far as like 
I don't know, I meeting people at E3 and like having people follow me or like Justin tweeting at me. It's definitely like a little bit surreal. I'm not really one to get starstruck. I think just because I've, you know, worked in comedy for so long and I was like a house manager at a comedy theater for a while. So I met like a ton of comedians and, it, you know, pe- they're just people. And like yeah. being in this job, especially like being two months in, I'm doing a podcast. I'm not any different than I was two months ago when I had 500 Twitter followers, but, like, now people are interested in me, which is, like, fine and good, but, like, I'm not a different person. So, like, I think I've always sort of had that approach to, like, celebrity in that way. So I I definitely, you know, I I never felt starstruck meeting any of the folks at E3 or wherever, but it was surreal, you know, like, two years ago or a year ago, I was watching every Monster Factory and, like, loving everything the McElroy brothers were doing and then, like, meeting them at E3 and having them be on my, like, dumb my first e3 podcast talking about like meatball subs was like this is very surreal and it's i'm in a position i never expected to be in in a position i feel very fortunate to be in where these these folks are now my peers basically yeah which is like you know it's really awesome and it's really cool but it's also it blows my mind a little bit (laughs) if i think too hard about it i I think we're in the exact same spot that where it's become to a certain extent the new normal to talk to people like that or to have interactions but then when you do sit down and think about a lot of life is like this when you sit down and think about it and you're like man five years ago even two years ago even a year ago if i would have like if younger Josiah was talking to current Josiah and probably the same for you, where it's like, this is a crazy thing I didn't expect to happen. Yeah, totally. And it's just like, it's also hard to wrap your mind about it. Like with my Twitter followers, I have like 18,000 Twitter followers right now, which is like a huge number. But even still, like now that I have 18,000, I'll look at someone like Vinny who has like 75,000. I'll be like, (laughs) man, I really don't have that many, (laughs) but I do. And it's insane. Like I thought like to put it in perspective, I was like, what if everyone on my Twitter Venmo me $1? I would have so much money. Like, Let's that's that insane. There, actually, really. that's <laughs> no, don't Venmo me a dollar. I would feel very guilty forever. <laughs> uh, but it's, like, insane to think about that. You know what I mean? Or like, fill a theater with your Twitter followers and suddenly you're <laughs> in front of, like, 18,000 people. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's, like, it's crazy to put it in perspective like that because it's, like, wow. You know, like, maybe on paper sometimes it doesn't feel big, but it's huge in yeah. a way that, like, blows my mind. Yeah, totally. And and again, when I was talk, I was talking to Mike Laidlaw recently, who's the creative director of Dragon Age. I, there was like literally a moment while he was talking where I had to stop and be like, I remember playing the original Dragon Age with my siblings and sitting around yeah. talking about how cool this was. And like, now I'm talking to the dude who was like the mind behind two and an Inquisition. And like, what the hell happened? Like, how did this <laughs> somehow happen? Where like the, the being peers thing is like the weirdest part because you're like. I was like, I'm just some dude in my apartment talking to people on a mic. Like, how did this happen? So, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that's just super strange that I'm trying to just be like, you know, I'll, if I pretend it's normal, then people will think that I, like, <laughs> have my shit together and, like, I'm actually a peer and not some random dude who's just, like, playing a role. Totally. Um, <laughs> now that you're done with E3 and, you, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, again, it's only been two months since you've gotten to Giant Bomb, but let's pretend sure. you're settled <laughs> in a Giant Bomb and everything's really, you know, smooth at this point. Mm-hmm. I would say well, I feel pretty settled, thankfully. I, I, I think now's the time where, like, yeah. you can, like, again, you can, like, talk more naturally with everyone and totally. like you, you kind of understand the studio i mean you're there on a weekend right now so you pretty much own the place at this point <laughs> uh, what what are you playing for fun now, even though I, I know you don't play video games according to people <laughs> but like let's pretend you do mm-hmm. um okay what are you pretending to play for so fun? what games do i pretend to enjoy for boys yeah. to like me mm, let's see <laughs> 
Um, well, right now I'm playing through Wolfenstein New Order. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like playing a few things right now. I need to like buckle down and finish something. But I'm also playing through Horizon, which I'm really enjoying, but I'm not like loving. People are saying it's like the game of the year, which I don't really see. I think it's a really, very fun game. I, I think really it's like good. Horizon. I, 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 it, how far are you into it? Um, I think I'm, I think my character is like around level 15 or 20. So, okay, so I, relatively far in. I think the game gets better, but it, you're relatively far enough that like your opinion is probably going to hold from then on out. Okay. Uh, it's, it's one of those games that I've, I kind of fell in love with. And because so many other amazing things have come out, especially early in the year, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm worried it's going to get like left in the shuffle. Like it's going to be hard to remember, but I don't know. I really like that game. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's good, but I don't think it's doing anything all that new. Mm-hmm. I guess is my thing. I can I can see that. I think it's yeah. just really good at what it does. Also, that game looks so good. Like I'm it not does. usually it a does. graphics I'd person, like, but I know I just got a 4K TV, and they my uh, Vinny was very nice to let me borrow the PlayStation Pro for the weekend, and I played it, and I was like, wow, this is pretty rad. <laughs> like it looks very good. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely that. Um, what else am I playing? I just got a game for my Switch called uh, I think it's called Bulb Boy. It's like what a, a name a horror puzzler you're like this little boy who has like a light bulb for a head and uh, I th- basically like early on this dark orb kind of takes your grandpa and you're like going through sort of Whoa. trying to help i guess I'm i was shocked early that you said it. new game for the switch i was like there's a new game I don't, for the I switch like i remember seeing it out i don't know if it was it's a port or not i'm not sure okay. um but it's good so far i don't know it's kind of spooky it's like a simple little puzzler but yeah it's cool you're playing, playing Battlegrounds too, right? A little bit. I play at work on the stream. I don't. I'm not able to play it at home, unfortunately. I have a Mac, and I set up Parallels for it, um, but it's like not powerful enough to run. Oh, that's um, so sad. I know. I, I can play so many other games too. I can like play XCOM. I can play you know a lot of other PC only games, but I can't play Battlegrounds, which is very frustrating. Uh, a lot of people have suggested I do Boot Camp, which is probably smart. It might work for that, but then I would have to buy Windows 7 again, which I am not going to do. Yeah, it might not be worth it in the end. It, no. It's an oddly demanding graphical game for a game that doesn't look that good. Totally, yeah. It's um, it's, it's it's my current obsession. <laughs> I um, I can't stop playing it. Also because my last like five games, I've come like second, second, third, third. Oh, so wow. Like, third. So I'm just like, I'm not even good. Um, my <laughs> I mean, that's with, pretty good. Well, my tactic with Battlegrounds, um, when especially I'm in duos, is I have someone who's really good at shooting who I play mm-hmm. with as a friend of mine, and I'm very good at hiding. Um, <laughs> I'm very good at not dying um, until yeah. the very end. And the problem with that is uh, when you don't get a lot of practice shooting people, um, the last two duos games... It's been me. There's three people alive left. It's me mm-hmm. and a team of two, and I am like prone behind a rock. And I'm like, I there's, I could literally get a jump on them. I would miss my first four shots. They would turn around, be able to like cook dinner and laugh at me, and then shoot me in the face before I actually get a good shot off on them. Yeah. So like, it's been, <laughs> it's been a lot of me being right there and being like, oh no, I, I forgot that I don't know how to actually play this video game. <laughs> yeah, and I I really like it a lot. I don't think I would enjoy it as much if I wasn't playing with you know Vinny or my friends oh, like yeah. it's not i don't think it's a game i would enjoy on my own i do also wish that there was more action in it because sometimes it feels like you're like walking around and looting and like having fun still but like i like shooting people in totally. games yeah i like shooting people in games um but like i you know like you said it's like you can go through a whole match and then the second you see someone you're dead or it's like too quick so I just I do wish there was just a little more action because I really yeah. I really like those moments, but I, it seems kind of 
few and far between sometimes. Every once in a while, I just go to what I know is going to be the busiest place with a friend. I'm like, look, let's just get some practice in and just like go balls to the wall and see what totally. happens instead of spending, you know, like you said, like 20 minutes and you're just on edge. I'm always on edge when I play that game. Like I get nervous <laughs> uh, and like, I'm like sweating. It doesn't make me that nervous, weirdly. But oh yeah. my God. That's, uh, I get like. With competitive games, when I actually have stakes, like competitive mm-hmm. Overwatch, like for me, it's like a nerves thing at the end. In that game, I'm <laughs> suddenly I get shot and I will scream in my apartment because yeah, I'm totally. just like not prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, no, but this it is very fun, and I I do also like doing that. Uh, yesterday, actually, after work, Vinny and I were like finishing up an export, so we like hopped in for a round, and we went to an area and we like saw two dudes, and we just like one dude had a machete. And we punched him to death. And then the other dude had a gun. He, like, ran out of ammo. And then we punched him to death. And it was, like, thrilling. I love yeah, it. Yeah, right? Like, like that those kind of stuff moments was really are fun. incredible. Yeah. I, I was hiding in a bathroom in, in, in Battlegrounds. Let me amend mine, too. <laughs> um, and someone, I was like, I heard their footsteps. I was so ready. I had my big old headphones on. I'm like, yes, yeah, surround sound, motherfucker. I can totally. hear where you're coming from. Um, they walked in. Again, this is Josiah not being able to play this game at all. He turns at me. I have a shotgun directly at his face. I panic miss him to the right and he machetes me in the head oh like, no it's those, it's those moments that are thrilling and amazing but also just like humiliating uh, it's super humiliating do you have a favorite genre for games like do you have any are you, a, are you a jrpg person have you played persona 5 like i, I would say i'm generally drawn to i really like first person shooters i like third person sandbox games mm-hmm. like a gta and a red dead type of game um i really like i like simulator games like i like the sims i like like um city skylines you know i like builder games like that i like games where i can like play it a bunch of different ways and it'll be different each time um, and i like games where it's not always like you got to be really good for it to be fun which yeah. can be the case for like certain shooters um i don't know i like yeah i think those are like the main games that i'm pretty drawn to i also really like puzzle games yeah, they're great i feel yeah. like their puzzle games are undervalued I- yeah totally if you had to right now choose a game, if you were suddenly in the game of the year deliberation room, I know it's only <sighs> July. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the one game you're fighting for? What's the, what's the main thing right now that you would like really stand by? Because for me, I I have like a list in my phone of like here's games I've <laughs> played and beaten this year because I, I do a podcast at the end of the year that's similar to what mm-hmm. you guys do. Um, and for me, it's like Horizon, it's Resident Evil Seven, it's somehow mm-hmm. Battlegrounds because I've already spent what feels like 300 <laughs> hours on it. Like I have a certain list in mind, but is there any one thing that stands out for you? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily game of the year, but it's probably been my favorite game of the year so far. I only say maybe not for everyone just because I don't know if it's really everyone's style of game, but I really, really, really loved Night in the Woods. Oh, Um, yeah. And I'm still finishing it up now, but I really like that game a lot. And that's very much like, I don't know, it's just such a good story. It's really well paced. The animation is really good. It's fun to play. Like the puzzles in it are good. I don't know. It changes how I play games too which i really like because a lot of times i'll go into games and be like okay i gotta like look in every corner and i gotta get every collectible and like i can't miss anything whereas this game it's more like i'm here for the journey like i remember when i first started playing it i would like talk to characters and one character would be like yeah i'm looking for a job and then i would hear another character and they'd be like yeah there's like a position open at this thing or whatever and i was like oh i need to like find a way to get these characters to like (laughs) meet each other and then they'll like i'll help with the job and like i need to do these tasks and like that's not what the game is so i had to sort of like take a back seat and like just enjoy it for what it is and not try to make 
like game it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it almost sounds like an adventure game kind of thing right yeah. there where you're like mixing, you know, you suddenly get this thing and you add it to another right. thing. Right. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm so clever for like seeing how this is like connected. But it's like, that's not what this game is. And like, I, I, I like that it pushed me to not play like I normally play. Well, Abby, thank you so much for going into the, the Giant Bummy studio and doing this on <laughs> your, your your Saturday off. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. This is super fun. And absolutely. I It's it's always cool to see new people come on Giant Bomb and kind of see what they bring to the team. And uh, again, you're one of those people immediately I'm like, oh, I exactly see how this is going to work and this is a lot of fun. And uh, your Twitter has been a joy. <laughs> <laughs> I put too much work into it. <laughs> it's, 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 you think about it all the time. That's really your second job is your Twitter. And absolutely. And I'm also going to take <laughs> No, for Twitter's my main job, Giant Bomb. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's, that's your side gig. I'll definitely, you should definitely tell Jeff that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take at least uh, 95% credit for all your success because you listened to the Vinny podcast before the interview. I did. So, um, yeah, we didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, I because I, I like I said before, I did so much research before getting the job, and I like finding your podcast that Vinny did was like gold. I was so excited because it like I felt so much more at ease in that interview with him because he like outlines what he's looking for in the position. Like he's yeah. like. I, I remember it very clearly because in the podcast, he's like, yeah, I, you know, it doesn't matter if they're coming in with a lot of experience. I just want someone who is cool and smart because I can teach him anything. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> I think that was right before. Was it during the interview process? Was it right before? I don't even. It was when did right y'all record it? I was. Jesus. I think I interviewed in March, like late March was my that's, first interview. That sounds about right. So, man, that was ideal timing. <laughs> I know. I was like, I hit the jackpot with that one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's, thank you. No problem at all. I mean, it's it's still my mo- still my most popular podcast. People will right. go like leaps and bounds to find Vinny talking about yeah. absolutely anything. So. Vinny, everyone loves Vinny as they should. Vinny is yeah. the best. It's uh, there was this like long-standing NeoGaf thread where every time this new bombcast would be like, "Is there Vinny in it?" And like that's all people <laughs> were really really worried about. It's it's hilarious. So yeah, I'm excited to see you. Hopefully, do some more like kind of tighter edited content in the future. And your new podcast, which I will not spoil to anyone, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yeah, and also just kind of you doing cool stuff for Giant Bomb for the rest of this year and many more years to come. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, you know, I feel very, very, very fortunate to be here. I, I'm I'm a lucky girl. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Take cut that out. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I'm actually gonna just like mirror that and put it like back to back for a bit right at the very end here. Uh, episode. Uh, 1099, lucky girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm actually deleting this entire podcast now. It's now officially done. Uh, well, then, thank you, everyone who didn't listen to this because I deleted this <laughs> podcast. Uh, and hopefully you tune back in for the real episode 102 of the 1099.